Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, as your word has gone out, uh, you, you say that it will not return void. My prayer is right now that you stir up inside of us uh, what it is that we need to understand uh, from this text. God, as we enter into a life that is going to be plagued with spiritual battles, God, let us be properly equipped uh, to face uh, the, the schemes of the devil and the evil days that, that lie ahead of us. Uh, God, I ask as we uh, enter into this time that we can just not worry about what's going on in an hour or in a day, but we can just focus on what's going on right now and how you're speaking to us. Lord Jesus, we pray this in your beautiful name. Amen. All right, go ahead and have a seat. How are we doing? Good. Blessed. Fantastic. So I have to apologize if I must. I guess I don't must, but I will apologize. Last week we definitely didn't get uh, as far as I wanted to get in this um, in our, with our time together. Uh, I wanted to get through the the belt and the breastplate and get to um, the, the the shoes, but uh, hey, it didn't happen. So we're gonna pick up this week where we left off last week and. Um, my goal, so let's see if we can get this today. My goal is to go through three pieces of armament. Um, and as we go through these three pieces, I don't want to, again, I'm not going to rush through them, but I'm not looking to get as in-depth as we really could. Uh, we're going to save that for about a year or so from now when we, we break this down in a longer series. So today I want to look at, at the, the, the shoes, I want to look at the shield, and I want to look at the, the helmet. And then um, just ask God to, to speak uh, as we, as we look at all of this. So uh, everybody said they're having a good week. Anybody lying about that? No? Yes? Yeah, okay, there you go. So here's the deal. Make sure the, the, this is a place where we can come and we can be real, right? We can come and we can say, hey, no, I'm not having a good week. I'm dealing with this. I need this. I need a, I've been already approached by multiple people already today saying, hey, pray for this. And hey, pray for that. Absolutely. Bring that. Let's pray for that. Because everybody has something they need to pray for. The problem is that you don't always feel like you either want to pray or that really God wants to be bothered with your prayers. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. So understand that we've got to pray got to pray. Um, we're going to talk more about prayer in, the, in probably next week. Well, not probably. Well, depending on how far we get today. My, my plan is to talk about that more next week as we talk about uh, the sword of the Spirit. 
But this week, what I want us to do is kind of remember where we're at. Uh, remember that we are talking about spiritual warfare. A couple weeks ago, we, we started in on uh, this series and we identified how we are to, um, or, or we identified the, the need for the equipping of the armor of God. Uh, the, the need being that we will face this spiritual battle. It's not if we're going to face it, it is just when this happens. And, and what we need to understand is that if we think that we're not going to face this, um, you're already being deceived by the great deceiver. The devil has already got a stronghold on you, and what you need to do is you need to put the devil in his place. Uh, the Bible tells us to resist the devil and he'll flee from us. So it's not, I'm going to go hand-to-hand combat, um, do some uh, Krav McGraw on the, not Tim McGraw, Krav McGraw on uh, Israeli defense, whatever. Anywho, I'm not going to do self-defense on, on, on the, the, the devil here. What I'm going to do is I'm going to stand on the word of God and I'm going to resist him. So although Tim McGraw is a good singer, who, who, who likes Tim McGraw? Come on. Come. Who likes country music? We're at Atwater and we don't like... Yeah. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah. So, hey, did I turn my, yeah, my mic is on. All right. So, uh, anyways, even if you don't like Tim McGraw, you can still learn something today. Um, some of the kids are like, wait, say, who's Tim McGraw? Before the Dixie Chicks. And who's the, who's the other one? Uh, who's, in, or the, who's the new one? Yeah. Yeah. Google it. Ask, ask uh, Ogre. It, it, he, was, he was quite, quite a far. Anywho, let's get back into the Bible. Um, <laughs> my fault. My fault. My fault. All right. So, but what we need to understand, um, that, 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 no, but that's a good, man, I love how when God does that. Those distractions happen in our lives all the time, right? Where, where we want to, we set out to, to focus on something, and the devil brings something in, into our, our midst. Uh, not, not saying Angie's the devil. Not, not, not saying that. No. <laughs> what I'm saying, though, is he easily distracts us, and it's not always with something that is bad. You, you've heard me say this before. I'm convinced that the devil uses godly things to distract us the most. That is spiritual warfare, and that's what we need to understand. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't do godly things. Don't hear me say that. But what, I'm, what I am saying is we need to be aware of what it is we're engaged in. We don't need to come here to church on Sunday, check the mark in the box, and say, oh, got my Jesus for the week, because your Jesus uh, that is on Sunday is not going to uh, last you the rest of the week. Now, I'm not saying Jesus won't. I'm saying what it is you're saying that you got on Sunday is not going to last you the rest of the week. You have to be continually um, arming yourself and equipping yourself with the armor of God to face the spiritual battle in which we are engaged in. That is what I'm, that's how I can get amped up every Sunday about what it is that we're going to do because this is not just me. I told this to the guys earlier. This is not just me just getting off, with, getting out what's on my chest or not it's just me, me uh, listen, like, liking to listen to the sound of my voice. Actually, I hate the sound of my voice. But so if, if I could communicate this any other way, if I learned sign language, maybe we could do that. But what this is, that was a joke because I don't know any, well, I don't know much sign language. Um, it was a subtle joke, right? Jake, Jake's a sinner. He knows. Oh, and Bobby told me I had to make a clarification uh, last week when I was talking about my beautiful, bald, bearded friend. Um, he, he says, does Jake know that you're talking about me and not him? Um, 
The big man's blushing. Um, But what we need to understand is when we come together, this is a time that we're being equipped for this battle. So this is not just, okay, I got it. Uh, I've got it on. I'm, uh, you know, I'm for Jesus on Sunday. Okay, what are you doing the rest of the week with all of this? That's important. That, that, that's, that, that's, that's very important. It, it come from, from me, for me, I should say, um, it, it, there's nothing more disheartening when, uh, when I pour out everything I got and then people don't pick up what it is that, that God is speaking through me. And then they're saying, I've got this problem and I've got this problem. Right, because you're not doing what God said to do. I don't know why things aren't going the way, well, because you're not being obedient to what he said. So anyways, off that tangent, spiritual warfare is a real thing. Don't ever think that it's not. So we've, we've given the need for all of that. Last week, we looked at the belt of truth. We identified Jesus being the truth. And then we also looked at the breastplate of righteousness, and we identified Jesus being our righteousness. So this week, what I want to do is I want to go to um, verse 15. And where it says, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So when we look at this, Paul, again, he's, he's continually um, uh, uh, saying a, a word previous to this. This word that he keeps saying in, in reference to what a disciple is to, to do, like the posture in which the disciple is to have, is, can anybody tell me what it is? It starts with an S. Stand. To stand, thank you. He's talking about standing. So in my mind, my simple, my simplistic way of looking at this, it is only natural that he's going to talk about what it is that you're standing on, the shoes and what you're on your feet. But he goes not just to, to mentioning the, the, the equipment for the feet. He identifies that being ready for battle, because he uses that, that, that word readiness, it communicates um, the, the meaning that uh, the knowledge of the dependence on the gospel, um, and, and it gives the person, the disciple, the peace in which they need. So, so hear this. Now, it, it's not just hearing the gospel. It's not just hearing the gospel. It's what are you doing with the gospel? Me, I'm, I'm all about repetition, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hammer this home probably 85 times again today. What is the gospel? Because if we cannot answer that question, we're not ready. If we cannot answer the question, because it says here that having put on your feet, to put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The gospel is the good news of God's redemptive plan for sinful humanity. I mean, can you, can you expound greatly on that? Absolutely. But again, if we're going to put this into a, a, a sentence in which we can remember, so when we're faced with um, this opposition, when we're faced, with, when, when, when and the devil comes at us, we need to know where we stand and what it is that we're standing on. We're standing on the gospel. It's the good news. Well, why is it, a good, why is it the good news? Well, pop, or contrary to popular belief, we were not born into this world good. We have this thing called sin. So it's not as if sin is something that it just harms us. Sin is something that has caused death. So we are born into this world, and here, here's my pep talk, let's go. So we are born into this world dead. D-E-D, dead. We are born, yes, that's, that's from Atwater. Yes, we are born dead. 
spiritually dead. Okay, I got it, preacher. Okay, but do you? You're born spiritually dead. A dead person cannot do anything for themselves. All right? So that's bad. Well, we all agree that's bad news. So if, well, why is that so important? Because I don't believe that you can understand the good news until you understand the bad news. The bad news is that we're spiritually dead, that we're separated from God, and there's nothing that you can do, no good works in which you can um, attain God's mercy or attain God's grace or, or have his, fam, his favor granted to you. So there's got to be some, something that takes place by God that changes everything. This is why the gospel is the good news. Because, because sinful humanity exists, because humanity is sinful, because we are born dead, because we have a sin nature, we are not just um, harmed or let, let, let's just say we are not just ill. It's not, it's not just an illness. Sin is not just an illness where if we, we can like get better and it'll go away. No, sin causes death. Death separates. Sin separates. We need God to intervene in to make us alive. That's where the good news comes in. What we understand here, though, or along with this, I should say, what we understand is as the Apostle Paul here is describing this, um, this part or this piece of the armament of God, he says, if you notice, he says that the readiness because of this the readiness because of the gospel. What are you, what are you saying, Lee? <laughs> Too many times what we have is we, people hear the gospel, and especially in the church, this is what happens. Um, not, not saying our church, I'm just saying the church, like different churches, whatever. What, what people do is they, they, they hear the gospel, okay? The gospel, the good news of God's redemptive plan for sinful, sinful humanity. The gospel is that Jesus Christ came, lived a, a, a sinless life, died a death that he did not deserve, rose on the third day, and is now seated in heaven waiting to come and return to take his, his children, his believers back with him. That's the gospel in a nutshell. People say, yep, got it. And they act as if the gospel is something I get, set that there, and move on. That, again, remember when I said that the, that the devil uses good things and godly things to deceive us and to distract us? That is one of those things as if, hey, all you got to do is you just got to accept this and then you can move on to the next thing. Paul's making very clear, we never move past the gospel. Don't ever think that we, we move past the gospel, the good news of God's redemptive plan for sinful humanity. Because once we think that we move past that, okay, I got to go into more deep, deeper theological things. I need to, you know, I, I need to, to understand um, all of the Asians and all those big theological words that make my head turn inside out. I got to learn if I really want to be a, uh, you know, a good disciple of Christ. No, that's not true. To be a good disciple of Christ is to accept the gospel and to live in the gospel. Live every day knowing that Christ paid the penalty for your sins. That will change the way in which you do everything. You'll look at sin a different way. 
You won't be, you won't be, I, I, I'm confident that you, if you live in the gospel and with this readiness of the gospel, that you won't live comfortable with sin. Because understanding that it is your sin, it is my sin that put Christ on the cross, that changes the game. That's why we have to understand we've got to view sin as we've got to hate sin because that's what put our beloved Lord and Savior on the cross. Would he do it again for us? Absolutely. You better believe it because he loves us. But we have to look at sin and say, wait a second. I'm, I, I'm, I've, I've, been, I've been freed from that. How have I been freed from that? Because of what Christ has done. So when Paul here is looking here and he's saying, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, the gospel produces peace. What do you mean the gospel produces peace? Well, I'm glad you asked because I got it in my notes. Peace is a harmonious relations and freedom from disputes. If you're at peace with your wife, there is freedom from disputes, right? Does that peace always, I mean, Shannon and I, we're, all, we're always at peace. <laughs> no, but that's what people want. That's, that's the desire of the heart is to be at peace. The gospel produces peace, and not only just it, does it produce peace, it produces uh, and, and secures, that's, 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 that's huge, it produces and secures, let that sink in, produces and secures, and I said let that sink in because I had to find it here in my notes, um, it secures the peace of the disciple with God. So the gospel secures the peace of the disciple with God, and it produces this assurance of his grace and his favor. So why is the apostle Paul here saying, and is he focusing on the, the gospel here? Because it gives assurance. Not assurance in what you can do, or what he can do, or she can do. No, assurance in what Jesus has done. That's the assurance in which we have. Now, I mean, that's where some of us will, uh, maybe you'll disagree um, about, well, we can really never have assurance. But no, we can have assurance because the assurance in which we can have is not upon your own merit. It's upon what Christ has already accomplished. So think about this on a, uh, in, a, in a, a, conf a conflict or a combat situation. When entering into a conflict you want to know you have something, you have some peace about you. You want to know why you're doing what it is you're doing. Why am I fighting this fight? Why am I going to say, get behind me, Satan? What is the reasoning for all of this? Well, this is that, 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 that peace that, that, that um, I, I, the apostle, I think it's Apostle Peter, and maybe I'm wrong, you can correct me later, says that it's the peace that surpasses all understanding. That's the peace of God. Understand that the gospel produces this peace between sinful humanity and a holy, righteous God. That's what's taken place in the gospel. Now, is that universal for every person? Like what Jesus did is universal for everyone? No, everyone can receive this gift and have peace with God, but there is something that has to take place. This is where the apostle Paul, he's saying, having put on... There's action that's required in all of this. Let's move on, because I can spend another 45 minutes on that. It go, it, we move on to 
not only this, this um, uh, joyful readiness of the mind, because that's what peace produces, this joyful readiness of the mind, which is essential, we know that, to spiritual conflict. What happens next is he says, in all circumstances, um, a little lesson in, in, in Greek language here. Jake, what does all in Greek mean? All. Oh, look at that. He's a Greek scholar. In all circumstances. In all circumstances. Everything that you are going to face in life. Everything. Good, bad, indifferent, whatever. Everything in which you're going to face in life. Paul says here, take up the shield of faith. He transitions here from the, the, the good news, the gospel of peace, the, this, this good news. He transitions here to this next piece of, of armor, this, this armament that it is, um, he identifies as the shield of faith. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. I love this because um, understanding what the shield of faith is, the shield of faith is this trust in the gospel. So he sets this up by saying, okay, the God, here's what you need to do. You need to have the readiness of the gospel, so you not only need the, to understand the gospel, you got to be living in the gospel. And here's, here, here's, here's the next step. This faith in which we're going to talk about is the trust in that gospel. Faith is something you, you can't scientifically prove. That's why it's called faith. And that is disturbing for some people. But what we can do is what, look at what the Apostle Paul says. We can see what faith um, uh, combats. I, I love how, how the Apostle Paul here, he says exactly what the shield of faith is for. Makes it perfectly clear. He says, with which, speaking of the shield of faith, you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Not to go into great detail about the shield, but a little bit of detail. This is not just a, a, like a, a Captain America shield. You know, this little circle with a star on it, the good ding, 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 all the bullets and everything away. No, the, the shield of faith is, is actually, um, it, it's, it's also, we can look at it or we can understand it as probably about the size of a small door. You know, it's not like a door like way up here, but maybe like a, a, half, a half a door, maybe a three-quarter door, something that is big enough where if some um, artillery is coming in, the individual, the disciple, the, the warrior here can duck behind the shield. Covers the majority of the body here. It's awesome also to understand what covers the shield. The, the shields of the Roman soldiers here, and um, you can look this up later if you don't believe me, but whatever. Uh, actually, I encourage everybody to look everything up, I say, as if you don't believe me. What, I mean, prove me right. Um, that's, that's fine. But what we need, you tell me to shut up? Oh, they should. My hearing's going. That's why I don't like the sound of my voice because it's loud. Um, the, the shield, this, this, this large shield that can be, that, that can be um, crouched behind. The shield is not just a shield that you would think that it's like made uh, of steel and that the, when the, the darts come, 
or the, the arrows come. Some of your translations say, might say missiles. Love that. Man, they had Patriot missiles back in the Bible days. Yeah, the missiles that are coming, these flaming arrows that, that, uh, or flaming darts that, that uh, Paul talks about, um, they're not as if they're just coming and hitting the shield and bouncing off. What we need to understand is the shield was, was covered with a thick leather. This thick leather that, that covered the shield had to be taken care of. Much like our faith has to be taken care of. If we do not take care of, and this is kind of for, for us nowadays, it's, it doesn't make as much sense because we don't really have a lot of leather in our life. Uh, back, I'm sure, 50 years ago or 100 years ago, leather was very prevalent. Uh, leather shoes, leather jacket, whatever. I have a pair of leather work boots that, that I had before I was in the ministry that um, I had to take care of. You know, you have to polish the boots and you got to moisten the leather. You can't let the, the, the leather just dry out. If you let the leather dry out, what happens? It cracks and it crumbles and it just falls apart. Think about this shield is covered with this thick leather. There's a purpose for this thick leather. What, what the, the, the job, one of the, the, the requirements of these Roman soldiers was to take care of the leather that's on their shield here. And how would they do that? Well, they would make sure it, it stayed, stayed pliable and it would stay moist. And, and there was a, the reason for that. Think about that. If, if, you're, if the leather of the shield, the shield of faith, has this moisture in it, when a flaming dart hits it, what's going to happen? It's going, thank you, Zach. It's going to extinguish it. Specific, uh, specific purpose here. I love this imagery because if we, with our faith, and understanding the faith, the trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we just take our shield of faith and put it up on the shelf, what's going to happen to that shield of faith? It's going to crack. It's going to dry. It's going to get rough. What we need to do is we need to be continually washing it with the word. Apostle Paul uses that, that, that terminology in the, 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 the chapter previous, that we need to be washed with the word. Make sure that, that, that we keep that, that, that faith pliable. We keep that, that faith that it's, it's, it's able to withstand those darts. We've said in the past, and I know I've said this, but maybe not, um, that faith is like a muscle. Faith has to be exercised. If you don't exercise your faith, what happens to a muscle when it's not exercised? Atrophy, right? It just goes away and it, starts, it dies, now, I'm not insinuating that it, well, what you can do is you can lose your faith. Some people say, well, I'm, you know, I've just lost my faith. Here's about, how, how about this? Your faith is not yours to be lost because your faith is not dependent upon you. It's dependent upon Jesus. Now, can you, can you be less active in it? Absolutely, and that's wrong. But don't ever think that you can lose your faith because of, of actions in which you've done because what the devil wants you to do is he wants you to, to uh, believe those lies. If you really love Jesus, you wouldn't do this. Or if you really love Jesus, you'd do this. No, what we're called to do and what we're told to do is we're told to persevere and we're told to maintain and guard our hearts. Keep alert. We're, we're told to keep our eyes on our faith. Use it. Understand that it is a muscle. Here, the Apostle Paul, he, he uses this same Greek word here for faith, and he says that this is the shield of faith. Specific duty, extinguish the flame and darts. 
He goes on, verse 17. He says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Next week, we're going to look at the sword. Today, we're going to look at just the helmet of salvation. Because remember here of, our, of, of this armor that we've, we've talked about. We, so we've, we've uh, talked last week about the, the belt. We talked also about the breastplate. Now we've talked about the shoes. We've talked about the shield. Now we're going to talk about the helmet. I, I think I said this the first week. I'm not sure. if it, Maybe it was last week. What we need to understand is, is just the, the, the chronology, the, the way that these are all listed, doesn't make one more important than the other. Because if, we, if that was the case, it would kind of throw off the, the whole theology of, of, of Scripture when it talks about the helmet of salvation. Because realistically, salvation is at the beginning of the process of being a disciple of Christ. Salvation, for those you don't understand, which is fine, Salvation is the action of being saved or the act of being saved. Saved from what? Okay, remember we talked about we're born dead? Salvation is going from death, the domain of darkness, to life, the kingdom of the sun. So that's, that's what takes place. So to be a disciple, you have to go from death to life and then you progress forward. So don't think that, well, because the, you know, this is listed fifth, that it has less value. No, this has intrinsic value to this armament here. I, I like, what, um, I, I like w w what Charles Hodge says about um, Charles Hodge. He's one of those you know, heady guys from a while ago. Not too long ago, but he says this about the helmet of salvation. What adorns and protects the Christian, which enables him to hold his head up with confidence and joy, is the fact that he is saved. He is one of the redeemed, transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. So he says that the fact that a believer in Jesus Christ uh, can stand confidently, can hold his or her head up high, is because of salvation. Because the act of being saved, because Christ has stepped in on their behalf. He goes on to say, if still under condemnation, if still estranged from God, a foreigner and an alien, without God and without Christ, he could, know, he could have no courage to enter into this conflict. So he, he says that without having that um, Without having salvation, without having or, um, um, being freed from the condemnation, being freed from the restraint and the penalty of sin, being still dead, he's saying here that, that there's no courage to enter into this conflict, this spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare, is it a, 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 a quote-unquote scary thing? Sure. It's scary for those who don't have the helmet on. Now, is it pleasant? No, it's not pleasant. But when we're armed with the armor of God, when we have the helmet of salvation on, we can enter into spiritual warfare with confidence. Why can we do that? Well, 
we're going to, or we've seen, I should say, in verse 13, if you look back there, um, one thing that I didn't bring up then that I'll, I'll bring up now is the confidence in which we have comes from that little phrase that's in, in, in between the, those two um, commas where it says, and having done all, and having done all, so, some people say, well, okay, and having done all, he's like kind of just preemptive to saying, putting on the whole armor of God. Um, well, in the English, it looks like that. It looks like that's what he's saying, but that's not what Paul is saying here. When, when he says in verse 13, and having done, done all, what that means in the, in the original, and for the original audience to hear this, they would have understood it as, as already being victorious. Think about that. Paul's saying, as already being victorious over the conflict in which you're going to enter. Kind of changes the game, right? If you know when you enter into something that you're going to win, things are going to be different than if you enter into something unsure. Paul is saying that we've already won. Doesn't mean that we don't have to play the game. It's kind of like the, 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 the men's Olympic basketball team, right? They're still going to win the gold medal, but they still have to play the game. And I, I say that like totally not knowing what they've done this year, because in the past, that's way it's, in which it's been. Have they, are they doing well this year? Kind of like Mount football? <laughs> Mount Union football. Okay. But they still have to play the game. And, and, and that's what, what Paul is saying here. Already being victorious in the battle in which you're going to face, this is what you got to still do. That only comes from having that helmet of salvation on. That's where that confidence comes from. This is the encouraging part. So when we're talking about understanding the, the need for the, the, uh, the armor of God, understanding that we're going to face these, the spiritual warfare, we also need to understand that we've already won. What we need to do is just let the devil know that we know that we already won. It's kind of just say, hey, I, I got, yeah, throw whatever it is that you're going to throw at me. Is it going to sting a little bit? Yeah, it may. It, it, yeah, it, it, may have, it may have some effect on me here, but in reality, you can throw it at me whatever you want because you are, are, are under my foot. I've already defeated you, not me, Christ in me. Christ has already defeated you. If you're facing an opponent, uh, yeah, if you're facing an opponent that's already been defeated, of course you're going to stand there confident. But the, but the devil does what the devil does best, and he wants to do what he did to Adam and Eve in the, in the garden. He wants to deceive you to think that you don't already have something that's already been given to you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the victory has already been won. The victory has already been given. Don't let the devil think that it has not, or don't let the devil make you think that it has not. Hodge, Charles Hodge goes on to say, it is because he is a fellow citizen of the saints, a child of God, a partaker of the salvation of the gospel, that he can face even the most potent enemies with confidence, knowing that he will become more than a conqueror through him that loved him. We're more than conquerors. That doesn't mean that we don't have to put on the armor, though. 
We have to put on the armor because that is what's going to get us through and equip us for the spiritual warfare. I think I said a few weeks ago, what we don't need to do is just put on the helmet and just run around naked, right? We've got to put on the whole armor of God. And it's when we put on the whole armor of God that we're going to stand confidently and say, devil, get behind me. Get to where you're supposed to be. You've already been defeated. We should never live in a, in a sense that, that we feel defeated. Does that happen? Oh, yeah, it does. The devil gets in and he finds that little chink in the armor and he, he makes you think that, man, you've already been defeated. Girl, you can't do that. You know, whatever. He, he, gives, he, he gives all this, this, this negative self-talk that happens. But what we need to do is we need to stand firm on the truth. A, a, a few months, maybe, I don't know, whenever it is, I, I shared it, but I've shared this with you guys before. When talking about the, this understanding of salvation and talking about the good news of Jesus Christ, the, the gospel, and talking about truth, talking about righteousness, talking about all of these theological attributes, these theological terms that, is, that are brought up with the, um, the armor of God, what we need to understand is we need to live in them. Not just know of them, we need to live in them, especially when it comes down to the, the, the gospel. I've given you four things about the truths of gospel living. I know I've given you these before, but I think repetition and repeating things are, are good. Um, my wife's got to repeat things to me all of the time. Did you put the toilet seat down? Yes, put the toilet seat down. Did you put the toilet seat down? Yes, put the toilet Did you put deodorant on? Yes, dear, I put deodorant on. But I, whatever it may be. But there are four truths of gospel living. There's more. But four things, I mean... Usually three are good for us, but four, I mean, just, we'll, we'll, hang, we'll hang on for the fourth. The first truth of gospel living. Remember, gospel, the good news of God's redemptive plan for sinful humanity. If, if, you, if I'm talking too fast, you guys can have my notes afterwards. The, truth, the first truth of gospel living. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more, nor is there nothing that you can do to make him love you any less. There's nothing that you're going to do that God's going to sit up in heaven and go, O-M-M. <laughs> that was funny, right? I'm hip. Um, he's not going to sit up there in, in heaven and say, oh, I didn't see that coming. That, I want that guy. Ooh, I'm glad that, that, that chick, she's on my team. Woohoo, we're going to get the gold now. No, there's nothing that you're going to do that's going to impress God. And at the same time, there's nothing that you're going to do to make God love you any less. I think that that's where most people are. They think, well, I've done this, so uh, God, God doesn't, isn't going to love me as much. No, it's because of his, his unconditional love that we need to say, no, 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 Satan. There's nothing good, more, good I can do to have him love me more. There's nothing bad I can do to have him love me any less. I'm going to live in the, that, that truth of the gospel. I'm not going to move past it. I'm not going to move past that gospel truth. I'm going to live in that every single day. Here's the second one. His presence and his approval is what brings you everlasting joy. His presence and his approval. 
The, the synchronized diving team for the United States, I think they got bronze or silver, whatever it was. Uh, Shannon posted the, 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 um, the interview afterwards of them, which if you haven't seen it, watch it. It's, it's good. This, in this interview, both of, of, of these, these, these guys, the, the men's, um, both of them said, not, not at the same time. I know they're, they're, you know, synchronized diving. They do everything at the same time. But independently, they, um, they, they said that what freed them and frees them to be Olympic athletes and, and go after doing the, the, their best is not the approval of the judges and is not the approval of their coaches, not anybody's approval. It, they, they said from their own lips, it says it's because of their identity in Christ, it's who they are in Christ that they can do these Olympic-sized things. Well, maybe we're not all going to be Olympians here, but I think that that's a good, uh, it's a good focus for us. It's a good realization that it's only God's uh, presence and it's only God's approval that is going to give you everlasting joy. It's not your husbands, it's not your wives, it's not your kids, it's not your bosses, it's not whatever, go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. It's his. It's God's approval. So the gospel truth is his presence and his approval is what brings you everlasting joy. This is not um, happiness. Happiness is based on happenings. Joy is based on what God has already done. It's based on him, nothing else. Third thing, coming to the end. Truths of gospel living, the third thing, as he has done to you, so as he has given to you, as he has done unto you, you should do unto others. Live in this. What has he given you that you do not deserve? Grace. Everybody wants to receive grace, but grace is a hard thing to give. We, we need to work on that. I'm not saying let people walk all over you. And I'm not saying you, that you sit back and, and be the, the bigot that says, well, God's grace is covering me so I can do whatever the, the heck I want to do. You can't. can't do that. You can't live there. That's a lie from the devil. But what you need to do is you need to understand that God has shed his grace abundantly on you. And you need to work to do that to others. Fourth thing. I love this one. You can measure his compassion by the cross and his power by the resurrection. That's the truth in which we have to, the gospel truth in which we have to live in. We have to live in that because we can measure his compassion by the cross. How much, you should never ask the question, how much does God really love me? Because that's what the devil wants you to do. Does God really love you? Does God really want what's best from you or for you? How much does God love you? This much, right? This much. He loves you so much that his son hung on the cross. You don't have to ask how much does God love you. Like you have to ask your wife or your kid or your whatever. Some of you ask your dog, how much God loves How much do you love me, Bobo? I've been watching Doug Dynasty, right? <laughs> Miss Kate's dog. Anywho, sorry. You don't have to wonder how much God loves you. 
He's already displayed his love for you. But it goes on to say, in his power by the resurrection. I don't know if God can get me through this situation. I don't know if God can do anything with my life. I don't know if God can, and whatever. Insert whatever you want. Jesus overcame death. How's your situation? Think about that. I'm not trying to minimize it. Is your situation real? Is my situation real? Absolutely. But Christ overcame death. I think he can overcome what it is that's going on in your life, what it is that's going on in my life, whatever it is, whatever spiritual battle in which I'm going to face. He can overcome that. These are the truths in which we need to live in because what, what, what we need to understand is when we face this, the, 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 these battles, this spiritual warfare, this life that is ahead of us, we got to face it confidently. We don't want to, to, to shy away from what it is that God's already given us. Having done all, like the Apostle Paul says, already being victorious in what it is that you're going to face, go face it. Let's pray.